Yeah, here. We're fine. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Get in the Garage. I'm your host, Mike. With me is Mr. Jeffrey May. And today oh, we have Luke back. Special guest. Special guest. <laughs> Luke Roberge, founding, founding member I, of the podcast. I'm He's always a special guest. I'm always excited to see him. Yes, me, my basement, week, the wall of records. It's been wonderful. Broadcasting yeah. from Mother Russia alongside Edmund yes. Snowden. Also, yeah. Yes. Also, guys, another fun fact is next week we're probably all going to be together in person because I'm getting, you know, shot in the arm, which is fun. So yes. here we go. Hepatitis? Yes. Oh. <laughs> you know, I love rock and roll that much. <laughs> yeah, that, there it is. Anything Tommy Lee does, Luke has to do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, uh, no, no. <laughs> I saw that movie. I'm uninterested. (laughs) Um, Anyway, last week we had an episode on System of a Down uh, where it was just myself and Jeff, but we did a five faves. Conveniently enough, System of a Down has five albums, so we just did our most favorite uh, to our least favorite. Um, And surprisingly, surprisingly, I'd say uh, Jeff and I had identical ranking lists, which was a lot of fun. Um, so unplanned, unplanned. Uh, yeah, un- completely unplanned, but and a surprise. We have yet to get Luke's, but uh, before we go to you, Luke, to get your uh, five, Jeff, why don't you just give us the rundown of what was what our lists were? Okay, so our list favorite number one was Toxicity, number two was Mesmerize, number three was Hypnotize, number four, Steelist Album. And number five, their self-titled debut. Yes, 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 yes. So, Luca, what would right you on. say yours is? Okay. So, prefixing this with, I did not deep dive as hard as you guys did, and I'm I, I hitched it, but uh, I'm my list is purely nostalgia based and what I had as CDs to listen to first. So, I'm gonna say. Number one, I'm going to go Mesmerized. Number two, I'm going to go Hypnotized. Um, mm-hmm. Because when those came out, like, my mom bought those CDs, and they were played mm. in the car all the time. My parents were super into them. It was rock opery, great hooks. Um, and you had two singles that were getting played on MTV every, you know, day when I came home. Um, so those were pretty big. We also bought those at Newberry Comics uh, together at the same time. I remember you say yeah. rock opera. I, I agree with that. That's something that we didn't bring up, but yeah. good point made because I agree. It's very theatrical and yeah. Yeah. Like I remember like seeing it and being like, oh, this is like all connected because like the CD, because mm. we bought them at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And if you folded them all out, the seat, they connected together and you were like, oh, this is like all one big thing. So those are definitely number one and number two, just because it's it was so like in that time. Um, and then number three toxicity because uh this kid joey christie left this cd at my house i think in eighth grade and it was like uh, i was it was gone from there because uh from my next pick here would be uh the first album which was a burnt cd that was also left at my house and i became obsessed (laughs) with that song sugar like i think everybody else did um Mm -hmm. that song was on like every burnt cd i made like in eighth and seventh grade i was so obsessed with it um so that's where I'm gonna put that one, and then uh, steal this album is gonna go last for me, just because it was one that I wasn't like as familiar with, and it wasn't really like nostalgicy for me. So that's why I would place that one last. But yeah, and we we did say that's like the one album that doesn't have really anything that hit radio at that time, right? And like, yeah, and I was just like, for me. It just like does I don't know like I love their first album because mm-hmm. like I think uh, Reed our friend Reed left it at our house and you know, I'd like as a kid like having that song Sugar to show people that had never heard it it was like it would blow everybody's minds they're like what is this about and you know and you're just like oh yeah you know it's cool it's about I, I, I mushroom that. people man <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> that great like grunt scream oh man that I, I love that that's that's my favorite system of a down song still like I, if i listen to that one it still gets me more than any other one just for the you know frank zappiness yeah. and greatness of it yeah 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 right yeah. on good yeah good <laughs> ranking man i totally see that it was a yeah. uh and yeah like, it was well, just, like, it was fun. like mm. yeah you know yeah yeah. yeah, well, that's what we were saying, too, especially with, like, Hypnotized and Memorized, like, those two albums, you know, I think those, the, I think we had said something to the effect of, like, those two albums came out at, a, like, like, in other words, the other ones had already been out, but those two albums came out while, when we were, like, hyper aware of them, mm-hmm. so they felt more like your albums, you know what I mean, like, you, you felt like the, and that weird, like kind of like possessive sort of like, oh, this is my band now. Like this is these are my albums because they're my band now. You know, whereas Toxicity had already existed, so it was like you know you missed it a little bit initially up front. You know, but yeah, yeah. it was like you get you got to ride the wave with the band and be like you were like yeah yeah I get that I get that. Yeah, and I, I mentioned like this was System of a Down was the first contemporary metal band I listened to because their debut came out when I was ten. What would be like the band? Because you're like three, four, five years younger than us. What would be the band that was like your first one that you like grabbed onto out of as far as like harder metal type music when you were like a preteen? Do you have any? I'm like I'm trying to think like what it would be. Oh, okay. So like preteen, it'd probably be like all um like Lamb of God. Yeah, and- yeah. Because mm-hmm. like when I saw Lamb of God at Ozfest, I went when I was really young. I went in sixth grade, and Lamb of God played, and I remember it not sounding like any other band because mm-hmm. the that double bass like squareness was so new, the new American heavy metal. Yep. And um, when I went back to school, or when I went to the CD store store after my birthday, I bought that CD. I had it, and I would be like, "Look at this like devil worshiping awesome <laughs> band." And so I guess like that would be it. Um, also like Lacuna Coil. I don't know if that was like rings yeah. of neck. They were like Evanescence like, mm-hmm. but not. Um, and yeah, stuff like that. I was definitely into uh, like uh, Lamb of God. That was my metal band. Mm-hmm. That was into. What was yeah. the name of that album? It was like a maroon and gold cover. Yeah, Laid it was that. Late. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. I think the name of it. Was, well, there was. But then there was oh, like ashes! It was called like Philadelphia. Ashes, yeah. It was called oh, ashes, ashes of the Wake. Yeah, you're right. You're right. My bad. My bad. Like yeah, yeah. Was the single, yeah. But Ashes of the Wake. I remember Dan Malin letting me borrow that. that yeah. That paired with uh, Alter Bridge. Oh yeah. As a little aperitif. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious. Yeah, I remember specifically not being into Slipknot though. I remember like be like looking at that and being like, "Yeah, Kiss is cool, but I'm not into that." Like, I just remember specifically liking like Lamb of God and not Slipknot because I we I didn't watch their set that day. Listen, man, any band that dresses like the henchman of the Joker and pounds metal drums, you're not into that. No, I prefer all of my bands having percussionists who bang mallets against trash cans. Yeah, I got I got one more for you. I was yeah. super into Black Label Society at the time oh, too, okay. like actively listening to like their new material they would release. Yeah, like, the even album that Mafia? was a band. Mafia yep. was like the album. <laughs> no, the one be- the one before that was way better. Uh, Hangover Music Volume One or whatever. That album was dope. Man. <laughs> It's all like acoustic. No. <laughs> I think there's a song on that one called Stepping Stone. That that was those that was it for me. I was a black label society. I definitely had a black label shirt. Yeah. Uh like the that one. Or the, that shirt. I had that one. I definitely had Ashes of the Wake shirt too. Like I was so cool. I thought I was really cool in it. I yeah, I absolutely had Lamb of God t shirts, yeah. I remember being so young wearing it that um people like adults would be come up to me and be like do you let your kid listen to that and they're like yeah <laughs> my, my mom didn't know what it was yeah <laughs> you know and meanwhile luke's just like well any man who's a dessert what is it what is that like in omerta where he's just like <laughs> yeah. 
for a man to say to his assailant, if I live, I will kill you. If I die, you are forgiven. So I'm the chorus, the chorus of laid to rest. Old, over <laughs> I was. I wasn't like nine, but I was definitely like 11 or 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh hilarious. Yeah. If I had a single good, day, though. I could live. A single day, I could breathe. Yeah. Luke's going to school in a like size small workman's coat with the Black Label Society on the back. <laughs> yeah, man, he's a full patched member, man. He's got the best and everything. He flies the Black, the black Label Society colors. He's got, got the bullseye rocker on it. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a popular, you know what's funny, like real quick to touch on that, like that was a really popular um, in certain groups, a very popular like live a DVD because Black Label Society mm. had a had a live DVD. I remember in the rot- in our rotation, it was like the Black Label Society live DVD where he like he like talks shit on Fred Durst. <laughs> he calls him some words that are definitely not acceptable for the year twenty twenty. Oh yeah. Um, and then uh, this there's a live Seether DVD that we always <laughs> used to watch too. Back in the early Seether days, you know. <laughs> but uh yeah black label society man yeah that was a good shout out i did we used to i used to listen to that all the time uh yeah. i met i met zach wild at that odds fest i think you have a picture with him don't you oh hell yeah it's around here somewhere and somewhere he, in those ba- luke just basically looks like he's standing next to like this big <laughs> fucking viking gorilla man so okay so zach wild's like like my, my hero he's my guitar hero because i ozzy's my favorite musician of all time at this age I, like ozzy's my yeah. hero and so I, I'm really in line for like two hours to meet Zach Wilde. And I'm like fourth in line. And uh, you bought the CD and then you get to meet him. And it, I'm wearing a um, a uh, uh, Diary of a Madman Ozzy shirt. And it's like way too big for me. And I still have it. And it just fits now. <laughs> and uh, so I walk up and I'm like, hi. And I give him my CD. And he's like, he's like, that's an awesome shirt. I like your shirt. And I was like, thank you. And he's just like, you want a picture? I'm like, yeah. And he just grabbed me with one hand by the back of the shirt (laughs) and picked me up with one hand and put me on the table. (laughs) And then, um, he's, he took a pic. He's like, got his photographer to take a picture with me. And then I was on his website for like a minute. It was so fun, man. It was like a dream come true. Like meeting your idols. It was great. He was drinking a Heineken at like, it's 12 o'clock you know yeah yeah it's it's 12 o'clock somewhere <laughs> yeah he got you know it's bad when ozzy kicks you out of his own band for drinking too much <laughs> no more tears bro yeah god no more beers oh my god listen his name's not zach tame okay <laughs> <laughs> This is, I hope everybody's tuning in. I hope this is the content that you want, and um, it's probably the content you deserve. Yeah. It's definitely the content they deserve. Yeah. Good lord. <laughs> well, tying it back to System of a Down, I think System of a Down's final show was an Ozfest, wasn't it? I don't know. I think it was like right before they decided to call it quits. Like they played, they, they like headlined one more Ozfest and then took their break, even though it wasn't mm. like break for 15 years um but uh but yeah so anyway system of a down <laughs> listen to system of a down and listen to black label society if you want a little hit of some nostalgia uh and maybe lamb of god you could leave that on the table yeah. lamb of god you could leave on the table yeah lamb of god yeah because i think lamb of god i'll say this about lamb of god no, i'll say you could leave it i don't need that <laughs> oh you say you don't need lamb of god no okay Luke doesn't support accidental murderers. <laughs> oh, he did accidentally kill that guy, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Listen, man, yeah. you climb on a stage. I'm not saying he deserved it, but you know. Listen, I'm gonna say this. Happen. I'm gonna say this. Uh, dark personality breeds yeah. dark situations. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well. that's. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> that man was the true Lamb of God <laughs> sacrificed. Oh my God! I really hope this is the content you want. On this on day, the irony is that that guy's funeral they played the song "Laid to Rest." <laughs> oh You're better alone. Oh my God! 
No, no disrespect. It's very sad. No it's very sad. It is very sad that the man lost his life. But uh, yeah, Chris Adler, crazy, though, man. a great drummer. One of my great, great drummer. Really good. I really yeah. appreciate the work he did for the double bass, though. So I'll, I'll lay that out there. He's the king of the double, modern double bass. Nobody laid for it down sure. like him. For I don't sure. know if Ready? he's still in the band. I know one of the Adler brothers left the band. Yeah, I think his brother was a singer or something uh, like guitar that. Guitar player. Uh, guitar. Oh, there you go. There you go. That's Mark, what it was. I think. Yeah. What was the Blythe? Randy Blythe? Isn't that, yeah. Wasn't that the lead yeah. singer's name? Uh, yep, yep. It's all coming back to me. He had yeah. a devil lock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there we have it. Luke's <laughs> Luke's just moving down list. Stroll down memory lane. Stroll down oh, memory lane. <laughs> guys, we problem. should we should we should do a uh, uh, episode soon of uh, heavy metal classics. <laughs> just saying, we should make a good good playlist. I'm. De- I mean, that's that that was me in high school, man. Well, at least junior and senior year of high school. Yeah, we could all take our uh, best heavy metal phase and throw it forward. Uh, hair metal applied. Oh, good. Because I was going to say, I don't really listen to heavy metal. It's not really I, my thing. I feel like Jeff comes on and feels the noise. You know? Only Def Leppard songs. I was just going to say, I think, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it's only Def Leppard. <laughs> I hate, that's my least favorite band of all time. Oh, man. I think, I think if I have, I have, I have like haterade for any band, it's Def Leppard. I can't stand it. It's so good. We it's, uh, the, it's the gated drums and shit. I hate it. We uh we were loaded in for our show yesterday, and I had said the day before in the group text we were talking about like how one of the singers isn't able to make some of the gigs that we have lined up because she sings in a couple other projects. And I said, oh well, that's easy because they said, well, you're gonna have to take over a lot more singing. I said, yeah, we'll just pivot this band. We'll turn it into a Def Leppard cover band. We'll call it Jeff Leppard. <laughs> and then we're loading in, and I'm not joking, the bartender, because it's just the bartender and, like, the waitress setting up the venue. They played 40 minutes straight of Def Leppard. <laughs> and no one asked them to. It just happened. It's the best, like, a 55-year-old in a bar. That's, like, the best music. <laughs> well, spe- speaking of bands and stuff, Jeff, you have – you have some like kind of two different exciting yeah. news type of things. Well, you were saying last night, so you know there's some Peerless Poppers news. But before that, you know we talked. I think if not last week, I think the week before uh, this newer project that you've been involved with and stuff. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that, man? Yeah, I joined a cover band um, like a month and a half ago, and we had our first gig gig uh, yesterday afternoon. And the rest of the band has been playing together for um, six to nine months. Some people have kind of shuffled it in and out, but I think this, the other four people have been in it for about six months altogether. Um, some great mu- local musicians, uh, Ricky Louise Miller on vocals, Brian Mayer on guitar and vocals, Mikey Winslow on drums, Emily Winters on bass. Uh, a lot of people have bl- been playing in local bands for the last like 15, 20 years. So we got a uh, good foot in the door in a lot of places, which is really nice. And I'm, I'm playing keyboards uh, and guitar and singing. So it's a big change for me because I play keyboards like on my own time. I like play some chords, but I haven't ever seriously played keyboards in any kind of group. So it's kind of uh, a new challenge that I'm, I'm excited and trying to, handle as well as i can there was a song yesterday that we started and i was like oh yeah we've only practiced this once with me and i do not remember how these like what the order of the chords are and i was just like playing wrong wrong notes for a minute (laughs) um so apologies on that one song but the other like 25 30 i felt pretty good about uh the band is called 20th century kids because we're all like early 30s to 40 ish years old and we're playing a lot of heavy 90s alt rock stuff but we're also mixing in some 80s and 70s and 60s and some uh 2000s as well uh yeah and it's been a lot of fun it's it's really cool to be in a group where it's like some serious three-part harmonies on a bunch of songs which is like really really nice um yeah and just like covering a bunch of music like i've never done the cover band thing so it's like the new challenge of when you're in an original group you can kind of just play and people are like, yeah, man, I'm into this. But if you're playing a song and like two seconds in, everybody in the room knows how it goes, you kind of have to nail it. So mm-hmm. it's it's a little stressful on some of the songs where I'm trying to do like 
an orchestra of strings on one hand and then like a horn section on my other hand. Um, but I'm, I'm, I felt pretty good about stuff yesterday. We played a great venue called Phoenix Dining and Entertainment, which is on uh, Route 2 in Pawkatuck near Westerly. It's a great room. Okay. It's, it used to be called Rosalini's, I guess. It was a venue in the 80s and 90s. And uh, it's, I don't know how long it's been Phoenix. I think a handful of years. But it was restaurant seating because of COVID. But they do have a dance floor there. And the dance floor is like in a pit right in front of the stage. So the stage is raised up like four feet off the dance floor. It's, it's, it's awesome. We had a great sound guy. Um, yeah, just a great room. I'd love to go back there. And we will be back there later this summer. We uh, got asked back. So it was very successful. We had, I think, about 100. I would say at least 80 people, possibly about 100 people there. Which That's we were, nice. we were we were hoping to get forty or fifty, so that was like really good. It was really good to see some familiar faces. I I put out the word at my trivia game last week, and like a crew of like fifteen people came from that. So um, That's awesome. Yeah. So if you want to see us locally in southeastern Connecticut, we have some gigs lined up at the Pavilion in Old Lyme, at Strange Brew Pub in Norwich, at Philomena's in Waterford. So that's twentieth century kids on facebook and instagram and uh yeah my own personal page if you want to just follow that because there are unfortunately there's some other facebook pages called 20th century kids uh, with like similar logos we took like the 20th century fox and just like twisted it up um but yeah so check us out and yeah i'm looking forward to doing more stuff with them uh, I have a question for you, Jeffrey. What has yeah. been your favorite song to like learn and play like so far being in that situation? Like, do you have one you're like, oh man, I really love playing this. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy, uh, we play Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel and I, and I'm singing on that too. So I like that because it is kind of a challenge because you have to do like the flute stuff and you have to do the horn section stuff. And I'm singing, so it's kind of a lot to do at once. But uh, I thought it went really well. I, I and I love that song. Like Peter Gabriel is one of my favorites ever. Like he's one of those singers that it's exactly like my range and my style. Like the Peter Gabriel, Stevie Wonder, Billy Joel, like all those kind of mid high tenor stuff. That's kind of like soul pop mix. That's like my shit. So um, got a really good response from. Say It Ain't So off of the Weezer Blue album. Oh, uh, yeah, man. Which Brian was singing, but like two weeks ago, he asked if I wanted to sing it. Because right now, since I only joined the band a month and a half ago, I sing lead on like six or seven of the 40 songs. And we want to get more balanced where like each of us is doing a third. Um, but yeah, so and then as far as playing, like we're doing a couple of Amy Winehouse tracks that I really like. We're doing You Know I'm No Good which is really cool to play. And uh, for guitar stuff in that band, like I like doing we, uh, You Oughta Know. Alanis Morissette is a rocker. Yeah, that's um, a great song. Yeah. So uh, Sex on Fire, Kings of Leon, which is pretty fun. Doing some like ripping lead guitar on that one, which is I'm not a lead guitar player really, but I, I try my hand and I do it if I can. Yeah, um, nice like up-tempo, great chorus too. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's it was really it was really fun and and the fact that we have like four things lined up in the next two months is promising because we're trying to do we're trying to take about two things a month I think because Ricky has some other commitments and Brian also plays uh, in Wicked Peach which is another cover band Ricky's other group she is involved with are Sugar and shit the other one is I'm blanking a Fever. She, I think she still participates with both of those groups, which are like well-known, like years, years running cover bands that are kind of like Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island based. Um, yeah. So a whole, a whole new world, um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's fun. Cause I mean, there's some songs we have in the mix that I like straight up. They sent me the list of songs and I'm just like, uh, who the fuck is who's Space Hog? Like, what the fuck is this? I'm like some early '90s stuff where it's like I wasn't ten years old yet, so I'm just like I, okay, whatever. Um, 
or we're doing a song by a, a, a group called the sneaker pimps i don't know no idea cool nope. track though it's like it's it's kind of in that natalie imbruglia style but it's like more atmospheric and like heavy string keys and stuff so it's really a chord that's just like two chord change back and forth but it's just like all atmosphere and mood um yeah so it's cool and we're doing some stp stuff we're doing some you know a little mix of everything do you guys have um you have a facebook we have a facebook yep 20th century kids and if you want to get the accurate version of 20th century kids since there's a couple you can just look me up on facebook jeffrey j-e-f-f-r-e-y may um because i'm posting stuff as much as i can uh yeah so it was cool yeah nice nice and you've just released and now peerless poppers you guys just released two singles in the past two weeks three weeks three weeks three weeks sorry you cut out on my end what did you say i said well with peerless poppers you've released two singles in the last what three weeks yes uh so peerless poppers is an original band that i've been playing in for two years now that's based in southern connecticut and uh yeah we we are we've done some studio stuff to get kind of like record a like three track demo kind of rough and just like record it and have something to give to people but this is the first thing that we're in there and we're spending like many hours mixing and editing and making it like polish and sound really as good as it can so we have two singles that are out on all streaming services amazon music apple music spotify youtube etc um the band is called peerless poppers the first single is uh i don't even know how you classify i guess it it reminds me of kind of like a police kind of vibe it's Mm -hmm. kind of like pop i wouldn't say it's reggae but it's you know it's i guess leaning towards that world called rebirth and then the second single single is a song that's kind of like a Rolling Stones kind of straightforward rocker called The Struggle. Um, three more tracks, whole project completed to this morning. Um, nice. The other three songs that are going to be on the EP are Bossa Nova Blue, which is, um, I, I say it's like a B-52 song without being like crazy over the top and super cheesy. But I can't hear you. <laughs> I did a take of vocals. I was like, let me just do one time through the verse like that guy. <laughs> it was so fucking terrible. <laughs> like, seen her walking on the sand out on the dunes. <laughs> um, nice shoes. Nice shoes. <laughs> uh, and then the other two tracks are this like space epic. It sounds like it's like a queen cut off of the Flash Gordon soundtrack. It's called um, Disappear, which Luke helped write. Luke's getting yeah. a co-writing credit on that bad boy because Luke came up with the little riff that runs through and the little, uh, yeah, just like the melodic idea of the verse. And uh, the last track that we finished up today is a song. Also, I, I mean, I also put it in kind of a queen category. It's called Dance Cross Water um it's it rips it's it's uh it's it's sounding really good i'm I'm really proud of these tracks and uh the whole ep should be up streaming i would say within the next two weeks so the two sing- singles are up there now and the whole ep will be out by the end of may and again the, the group is called peerless poppers p-a-u-p-e-r-s nice. and yeah check out instagram facebook all that stuff um but yeah. yeah, and on and the two singles right now are on Spotify as well as on your YouTube channel as well. Spotify, YouTube, Amazon, Apple Music, everything you can stream anything on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I that, thought I, I I thought I saw a uh, you guys posted something, and even on Instagram you can find it now, like on the Instagram music. Oh yes. Like yeah. when you post to a story. Yep. Oh, yeah, that, was, that was cool. Yeah, yeah. So I could tag my like Instagram stuff with our own music, which was fun. Yeah. Um, and big, big shout out to the guy who uh, we worked with on this whole project, John Quinn, who's a uh, engineer and mixer and master and gives music lessons based in Griswold. Um, you guys are familiar with him. You've been there. You've seen what he does. Uh, he's been in the biz since he was 14, helping his brother. His, his older brother was a audio engineer from the time he was like 17. 
like doing tape tape to tape type of stuff back in the late seventies. So uh, he really knows what he's doing. And it was a really fun process because I was, I was extremely hands-on um, in there with the mixing of everything. So I was logging uh, like six to eight hours a week for the past month and a half ish um, getting these things sounding really good. So really proud of it. Hoping people check it out and enjoy it. Um, yeah. Nice. Man. Right on, right on. Well, oh, and shout out to the guys, other guys in the band. So that's Roy Hool on bass, uh, Dan Mitchell on drums, and Mike Piercy on guitar. So. Right on. The we'll check them out on Instagram and YouTube, all streaming platforms. Uh, good stuff, man. Well, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, uh, we'll just talk about some of our maybe our weekly month, you know, our mu- music recommendations, what we, we've been listening to lately. I got a feeling Luke's gonna Luke's gonna go off about Iggy and the Stooges, so let's uh something to look forward to. So we'll be right back. Uh get ready for this raw power. <laughs> Most of us, i.e. comedians, treat open mics as a necessary evil. But not Silas P. Every week, Silas talks to a veteran of the sights, sounds, and smells of the Philly open mic scene, sharing stories of momentary triumph and lingering failure with enough shit talk sprinkled in to make you listen to hear your name. I'm like 35% sure that I'm in there. So pay attention, hang out in the room, and maybe you'll learn why you got bumped on the lawn. Welcome back to Get in the Garage. Welcome back. Welcome. Luke, I'm sad that you don't have your train whistle. <laughs> Where's the, the train? Conductor's <laughs> <on> the <wheel. laughs> thank you, thank you. We're chugging on into our next segment here. Chugga, 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 choo, choo. <laughs> Not for nothing, real quick, before we get into what we've been listening to, I've seen a thing on Instagram, uh, arguments of how many chugga chuggas before the choo-choo. Oh, you're, Luke's going the... <laughs> eight. Right. See, I always thought it was eight. Oh, it's nine. It's nine. No, chugga 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 chugga. It's nine. Choo-choo, choo-choo's on the nine. Yeah. No, chugga 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 chugga. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Two yeah. shoes on the nine. You're right. Right. If you want to make it very, if that's the that's the twelve inch version. The long. <laughs> yeah, the deep cut. Because I agree, that's the most musical. Because you're doing four four. You know, this is a music podcast. We can get into that kind of shit. Yeah, uh, it's it's eight. It's an eight, and then on the yeah. The argument I was seeing though the... was between one and two though. Yeah. So if if you're given the choice between one and two, two. Obviously, yeah, chugga chugga choo choo. Exactly, obviously. Yeah, you gotta have two chuggas. A chugga choo choo. That train's stuck in the fucking railroad yard. That's not going anywhere. Chugga choo choo. That thing has like a short or something. Yeah, I don't know much about trains. Do trains short? I don't know. Listen, I know. I've ridden on a train numerous Mother's Days. I know a lot about them. Wow. The conductor I mean, you himself. have the whistle to prove it. That's where, where do you think I bought this train was? Do you think I didn't buy this at the ride a train gift store? Is that, I thought that was the, the, the Essex theme train? Yes, yes. I thought that was bestowed upon you from all your years traveling the rails. <laughs> <laughs> no, you have to really do some hoboing to get one of these. He's really passionate about locomotives. Uh, I love trains. I have a sticker on my toolbox at work that I also bought from the same gift shop. <laughs> I love trains. Is that what the cool. sticker says? I love yeah. trains. <laughs> so people walk up to me and they're like, bro, you like trains? And I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, I, I know who's asking you if you love trains. Every I, I've had the numerous people ask me, you into trains, old, man? Old, old Willie the Prospector. That's who's asking. <laughs> That and I have an old lady sticker in my toolbox of like, oh, this is this young girl, like, but it's from a hundred years ago. And everyone's like, is that your grandma? I'm like, nah, I don't know who that is. Oh, I love oh. your, I love your collection of anonymous old pictures. That one's Judy. She's my Judy. first. Judy. Who do we have? We have Judy. We have Tina. Yep, Judy, Tina. I um, Tina, right? 
Yes, Tina's got. She's a little mouthy. She's, she's a little mouthy. Yeah, she's been dead for 120 years. <laughs> and then I have Anne. Anne's, Anne's, Anne's a nice girl. Oh my god. Anyway, all right. So let's, a music podcast. Um, <laughs> this isn't a train podcast. No, this is not a train podcast. Derail. We've been to yeah. <laughs> Um, so just as, just as, uh, as the last half of the, the podcast, we, we like to sometimes talk about what we've been listening to lately. Uh, I'll lead us off. Are you going to uh, punch our tickets? I'm going to punch the ride. Tickets. I'm going to, I'm going to show you to your, to your seat, to your car. <laughs> it's platform nine and three quarters. <laughs> um, so what I've been listening to. Uh, is I, I did some Leonard Skinner the other day. Oh, oh turn it up! <laughs> uh, I was feeling I was feeling like a simple man, so I figured I'd put on some Leonard Skinner. Uh, the album Second Helping, which is kind of, I mean, I would say maybe is I say the first album pronounced Leonard Skinner is yeah. probably the one that I like the most. Uh, second helping, Sweet Home Alabama. You know, um, Call Me the Breeze is probably the other like mm. you know super big hit. Uh, Don't ask me no questions is on there. Mm. Um, but a good overall, a good out. Al- I think a good album. Nineteen seventy four. Like, I mean, I I almost always skip Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I I don't really know anybody who ever. I actually... follow their advice and I turn that goddamn record up every time. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, like I said, that's the song I probably skipped the most off the album, but... Uh, I like the whole thing. I like the shit on Neil Young. I like I like the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, as a, as a song, you know, like, yeah, it, it's it's obviously, like, one of the songs for a reason, but um, I've just heard it so much. It's just like, all right, we get it. Yeah, Alabama's great. Um, so you guys are heavier into the, like, 70s rock stuff i i know hits and i know some bands but i'm not too familiar with leonard skinner beyond the hits which which guitar players is leonard skinner because i get them and allman brothers confused a lot unfortunately because they are from the same kind of world i don't know who the guitar players for leonard skinner are but i know like um one of them was originally in the band um that i now i'm not going to remember the name of anyway but the band that does um incense peppermints I don't know if you know that song, The Strawberry Alarm Clock. He was originally oh, in that yeah, band. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Gary Peppermints. Gary Rosington. Yes. Okay. Yes. SG player, I think. Um, uh, I thought he played the um, Explorer. Oh, maybe. Because they had yep. an Explorer. They had a Strat. And then was the Explorer have... introduced in the early 70s? Yeah, I think Explorer was was i think it, it was 72 like or something yeah, yeah okay sounds right yeah the explorer and the flying v were at least i think in the same year um but uh but yeah Cause di- this this is van zant van zant right that's yeah johnny van zant yeah okay was from 87 until steve van zant was the original yeah, the singer. original who uh died in the in uh the plane crash right um there's actually so, a Wikipedia page completely I, I, dedicated I, to just is that right? the, Steven Van Zandt? the members. Uh, Ronnie Orig- Van Zandt. Oh, Ronnie. Ronnie on lead vocals. You have yeah. Gary Rosling on lead guitar. Uh, Alan Collins on lead guitar. And oh, then yeah. Ed King is the other guitar player. I like the original lineup. Gotcha. Yeah. So. Larry Junstrom on bass and drummer Bob Burns. Three guitar lineup. Pretty dope. Pretty dope. For 19... 19- <laughs> I mean, for, for that early, too, you know? Uh, I remember. I remember mm. my grandma, my meme, having uh, pronounced Leonard Skinner on CD, and uh, I would definitely like sneak that one and like you know take it like by myself and listen to it on my CD player. And I always was like in love with like Freebird, and I was like younger, like knowing how mythical it was. Good yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's like you know, I, well, going back to what you were saying too, Jeff. Like, <laughs> You know the Allman Brothers. Obviously, you have mm. to credit because, like, without the Allman Brothers, you were you really. I mean, I'm sure these bands would exist, but they opened a door for them. But they, yeah, for yeah. sure, because you know the Allman Brothers. Without the Allman Brothers, 
you know, there's Skinner, there's Marshall Tucker band. There's like, there's a lot of like the Southern, it's kind of like Southern rock where it crosses. Yeah. And it's not country. It's, it's Southern rock, you know, right. it's kind of its own thing. Um, Identifiable band, man. Like I only know the hits, but I swear you play that shit. You, you give me the first, the first measure of the song. And it's like, yeah, I can guess that that's Leonard Skinner. Cause like somehow they play the guitar lines, like with a Southern accent, like, you can hear the twang in there, like we're from the the deep south. Like, I, I don't like for real. I don't even know how to explain it because it's not like them bending the strings. It's literally like how they just like play the notes. Yeah, so, I don't, I don't know. And it's not twangy country twangy. It's just like like you said that southern rock thing is like its own thing. It's yeah. a, it's like a, I think like where like the Almond Brothers. I think like they were always that, but they kind of backed off that and like did other things that like especially like greg allman going solo with yeah. like it kind of like made it made them when they came back like a different kind of band that was like mm. more like a rocky jam band thing but yeah besides that like skinner like took that and like made it that was their like there was that ethos they're like what what do you know about the south and like like everything just becomes mm. involved in it you know yeah. but oh cool, man. man there's some classic uh pictures of my pops <laughs> and some skinner shirts yeah, yeah that yeah, exist pretty good pretty good yeah man mm-hmm. so there's my if i'm gonna throw you know like throw a band album yeah. out there i'd say the first two skinner albums you know the street, best. i think street survivor is really good too and then if you just want like the hits what is that the golden platinum oh man uh, i think it's called like yeah golden platinum greatest hits like that one that's the one my pops have when i was a kid it's yeah. pretty solid pretty yeah, solid yeah yeah so if you want like a good best sub that's that's mm-hmm. the route to go but if you want to listen to just full albums Definitely the first two, three albums from Leonard Skinner are probably the best that you'll get, you know. So so anyway, there's my music recommendation for the week. Jeffrey, what have you It's going to be May. It's, it is May. Uh, May. So what I'm going to recommend is I've been listening to one of my summer staples because it's getting warmer out. It's like finally 72 degrees in the daytime. It's awesome. It's like the best time of my life. Well, it's still allergy season for me, so I kind of hate that. But it's getting nice out, so I'm playing one of the bands I love in the summertime especially, and that's Vampire Weekend. Um, I love all four of their albums. They have the self-titled, then they have Contra, then Modern Vampires of the City, and the album from 2019, Father of the Bride. Uh, I, I was playing a lot of Father of the Bride this past week. It, it's like their sunniest album, which is strange because it's like their their first album is like straight up sounds like summertime. Like it, it's like Paul, it's like early Paul Simon kind of vibe. Uh, but the but Father of the Bride has a lot more. Um, I'm not a jam band guy, but it they mix in a lot of that like sunniness and fun type type of vibe from j- the jam band world uh, purposely into this sound, and I really enjoy it. Excellent album uh, produced by Ariel Reichscheid and Rostam Botman Gleesh, who used to be in the Rostam used to be in Vampire Weekend, but he left uh, before the album was made to do, go do solo stuff. But he still does some producing with them and does some extra instrumentation. Uh, Danielle Heim from the band Heim is featured as a vocalist on, I think, like at least four of the tracks on Father Bride. And Father Bride is a pretty a long album. I think there's like 16 songs. Uh, so yeah, if you want some just like sunny, it's it's not alternative rock. Like what is alternative rock? But it's like, because this shit could be on the radio. It's catchy. It's melodic. It's uh, a lot of ear candy, a lot of cool stuff in there. A lot of strange instrumentation that just works and makes sense. And uh, great songwriting, just uh, catchy. So if you're into that, if you're into that like Paul Simon Graceland type of vibe, like check out Father Bride especially, but any of the Vampire Weekend stuff is excellent. And uh, the other band, of course, I was listening to this week, beside all the cover songs I had to learn for my gig yesterday. <laughs> um, but of course, this week in the Steely Dan review, um, the album I've been heavily into this past week was Gaucho, which is their seventh album, released in 1980, 80, I believe. And... Uh, it's like the album that I've listened to the least out of theirs, besides the two that they released in the 2000s. But out of their original seven before they took a 20-year hiatus, it's the one I'd listened to the least because it's like the most sparse and like aired out and 
almost like down tempo and very minimal, very, very, very minimal. And uh, it, the vibe just didn't catch me uh, until this past year. So I've been giving it a lot more chances and uh, just excellent, excellent top notch players, like all Steely Dan stuff, but especially the drumming on this album, um, Steve Gadd, who played the title track Asia on the previous album, he oh. plays he plays on three of the seven tracks. And the the thing I really love about Steely Dan, their albums are only they're between seven and nine tracks generally. So it's like they give you just chock full to the brim arrangements, but they don't overload you with songs. You can like digest the seven to nine songs. Um, so Steve Gadd's on three of the seven. Rick Murata, who played on Peg. One of my favorite songs, I think probably my favorite song off of Asia. Rick Murata plays on two tracks. Bernard Purdy, who like, in my opinion, maybe my favorite drummer of all time. He plays on the opening track. Um, and Jeff Picaro, who like, who played in Toto. And he handled the whole Katie Lied album, except for one track on that. Um, just excellent. He played on a bunch of tracks off on Michael Jackson's thr- Thriller album. He plays the title track, uh, Gaucho. So um, I don't know. I'm like, I've become the world's biggest <laughs> Steely Dan fan in the past year. Um, but unabashedly, because it it like is everything I want in music, which is like very uh, intellectual, kind of like emotional, indecipherable lyrics that are just like, you can put your own meaning to it and you got to look up, you got to like have annotations and, research like what are they alluding to what are they talking about what what fictional characters are they referencing um just the best studio players ever just arrangements that are just lush and so precise and meticulous and the just the sound because that's what music is man it's just a bunch of fucking waves going through the air that your ears can take and process the data and the way they the way their records sound is just like i mean i don't musically i guess as a whole they're probably not my favorite thing but maybe when it comes down to just like did they execute the mission as well as they could i think they're the best at it um so yeah check out gaucho man it's it's uh it's just awesome it's awesome oh, man this was a great entry in today's steely dan diaries <laughs> <laughs> aka Dear really diary. in the years <laughs> No, I hear it, man. Like, I love, like, at that point you made it, like, the ambiguous lyrics because I – that's, my, I think, my favorite part about it. And, like, also what I like about, like, jazz a lot is yeah. that sometimes, like, lyrics are so direct that you're just like, yeah, I get, I get it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's almost like a smash over the head. But with, like, Steely Dan, you're like, what what is this? And you can, you really can put your own spin and emotion on what's going on in it and, like, have get wrapped up in it in your own – kind of thing and that's why i really like it that was and, a great point and something i really enjoy about steely dan just as a whole when it comes to the lyrics and the music pairing together you know how like we always think about music of like the lyrics should be where like even if you didn't know english or the language that the lyrics are in you could like get the gist of what the song is based on the pairing to the to the music and vice versa like if you didn't have lyrics in the song and you heard an instrumental version and then you heard it with lyrics, you'd be like, Oh yeah, that totally fits the music. Like it makes complete sense. I love how Steely Dan does the exact opposite, which is like, there's a track on, on Gaucho. It's called time out of mind. And it's this like smooth jazz, like sounds like, Oh yeah, we're getting ready. Like we're spritzing on some cologne to go out to the disco. And it's a song about a guy who's so excited to escape the reality of his life and go shoot up heroin. Oh and it's God. like fucking, cr- and it's, or like they have, and it's just like, they're unafraid. They're just not afraid to do shit. That's kind of taboo. And like, you know how you read books where you're like, man, this is like the idea of a banned book kind of thing. That's like what they totally try to do. Like there's songs of like Gaucho is about a guy coming home and he finds like a guy's there and it's, fucking his partner and he's just like yo what is going on here who's this guy who's this guy standing here in my living room (laughs) um but it's like this like small t kind of smooth jazz kind of thing um yeah i just i love it man i i i just love it right on man i like i like i dig the dan damn man the dan man I'm a huge Dan fan. That was uh, Reeling in the Years with Jeff. (laughs) 
Um, all right, so uh, I've been going nuts with Iggy and the Stooges, uh, specifically like the second incarnation of the Stooges uh, where the name was changed, um, the Raw Power record. So I bought Raw Power on vinyl, like, you know, I've, it's an album I listened to a lot before, but uh, I bought it and I listened to the Iggy and Bowie mixes back and forth for about like two weeks. Um, and then I got super into um, all of the bootleg um, material that seems to have uh, existed around the making of Raw Power and the live shows that followed it and the tour and the eventual um, death of the Stooges. So I bought this box set called um, uh, Iggy and the Stooges, You Think You're Bad Man, um, and it's got five um, live shows that are bootleg quality from um, the Raw Power tour. Um, starting from the Whiskey A Go Go in '73 and ending on their last show on February 9th, 1974. Um, it has been a joy. If you enjoy bootlegs and the Stooges at all, I would suggest listening to some of these. Um, the shows that make up the boot, uh, the album Metallic KO are also uh, represented on here. It's a really famous uh, record that came out of Stooges live stuff. But um, I, what I really like about these is when I sit down and I listen to them, um, Iggy is, um, horrible to the audience most of the time, um, saying the most outlandish stuff even to today's standard that you would never be able to say. Um, so what I really find about it is it is off-putting on, like, a moral level, but on another level, it's, um, my favorite kind of rock and roll because you just listen to it and it's dangerous. The mm -hmm. room sounds dangerous. It sounds scary to be in there. Um, and that's what I really kind of like about rock and roll. It's like the deepest part of it is when I get kind of scared of it and it's intense and, um, that's my favorite part. So, um, some of the shows like where they, their crowd is on their side, the Stooges play horribly or they try <laughs> not to impress, um, and act too cool and get probably too loaded before the show with whoever really wanted to see them there. And I find that the shows where the audience is treating them horribly that they put on a show in their face in spite of them to be better. And that's when they kind of come out at their best. Um, definitely would suggest listening to the last show to hear the beer bottle assaults um, on the <laughs> stage. It's the only live album, like Lester Banks said back in the day, that you you literally hear guitars, like guitar strings hitting glass beer bottles and shattering. Um <laughs> It's all over the stage. It's one of the saddest things I've also listened to because you're also listening to one of the most innovative bands of all time just get completely rejected by the music industry, the audience, and each other. And then it's just like, it's very sad at the same time. So um, if I had to suggest one show off here, it's definitely um, the Academy of Music, uh, not the Academy, the Michigan Palace in Detroit, February 9th, 1974. Didn't you say there's one show that's on there that's like the lineup was like the Stooges, Kiss, and Blue Oyster Cult? Yes, and that's actually the worst <laughs> show on here. So I can tell you a cool, cool little story about that. So that's um, the Academy of Music, New York, uh, December 31st, New Year's Eve, 1973. Uh, Kiss opened up the show playing their first show. Um, Iggy and the Stooges middled. And um, Blue Oyster Cult was the headliner. So um, on Columbia Records would have been the Stooges and Blue Oyster Cult really bringing in, like, the, that was their lineup of hard rock. <clears throat> and so the Stooges get there, and everybody in New York is excited to hear the Stooges. And the bootleg, that crowd is excited as shit. And Iggy is so wasted and out of his mind. Um, by the end of the set, they get it together, but it's a messy beginning. Um, and then Columbia Records uh, execs being in the audience completely were like, this band is hopeless, and they just canned them. Um, and that's where the Stooges kind of eventually really, you know, really hit rock bottom after that. But, um, yeah, so very interesting show. Um, if you want to look up a clip on YouTube, um, there it's one of the only Stooges foot, uh, footage that exists. There's 8mm shot from that show. Uh, Iggy does a bedwards back yogi thing that's pretty intense to see, so check that out. So just to clarify, that set that you said of, of the live recordings, is that when um, Ron Ashton had moved to bass? Yes, that's correct. And James Williamson on lead guitar? Yeah, you have James oh, okay. Williamson on uh, lead guitar. You yeah. have uh, Ron Ashton on bass and Scott Ashton on drums. Right. 
Um, also, to be noted, uh, too, why a lot of people really do listen to these bootleg quality recordings of the Stooges is they had a whole album of songs that they were uh, performing on this tour that were never recorded. Um, songs like Head uh-huh. On, Wet My Bed, Cock In My Pocket, um, Heavy Liquid, Open Up And Bleed. These songs would never see a professional recorded record. Mm. And so it's kind of like the lost what isn't there, but you have some kind of document that it existed furthering like the Stooges kind of like legacy and all that stuff. So that's mostly why people do listen to those bootleg recordings. So Some would say that a lot of their other professional recording studio <laughs> <laughs> yes mostly all of it oh uh, so you, you said uh maybe not this week but on the topic of the stooges you talked about listening to raw power and there's famously two different mixes because david bowie mixed it originally and then like on the 25th year reissue or whatever uh iggy pop went in and did his mixing what what's your opinion on the two mixes uh um, you know, comparatively yeah, so I definitely listened to these hardcore back and forth, back to back, um, step different nights, tons of times. Um, so, to my ears, some songs, the only songs that really sound better on Bowie's are, um, I think, like the ballad "Gimme Danger" on Bowie's. Is, I mean, on uh, Iggy Pop's is better. Yeah. Um, I also like Iggy Pop's like "Your Pretty Face Is Going to Hell" um, yeah. mix. But everything else I'll give to Bowie, even the weird mm-hmm. guitar on um, Search and Destroy. Um, if you turn your stereo up loud enough, I mean, at least on the remastered version, it really doesn't sound thin. Um, I've never heard an original vinyl pressing of it, but um, at least for the remastered Bowie mix, it, it's like thinner. But if you crank it up and kind of take the treble down, add the bass up, you know, like normal stereo kind of yeah. stuff, it's it sounds way artier and more like thought thought about. There's more guitar texture on the Bowie mix with like guitar effects um when you listen to the Iggy mix it's just all straight up like distorted uh like yeah. normal guitar um which is a little bit off-putting and there's like a little more like uh art and fart in the Bowie mix which I like because mm-hmm. it adds like um it adds on some songs that are like kind of intense anyway but gives them a more like flavored texture and for those of you who aren't familiar with what we're talking about when Luke said it's like Iggy Pop mix is more distorted guitars. He's not talking about like rock and roll guitars. He's talking about literally the shit is so cranked that it just sounds like you recorded with like a maxed out amp next to a fucking iPhone recorded. Like it sounds just like saturated. Like yeah, like ugh. to to say like to say it like this, man, is like when I I only probably had heard the Bowie mix of uh, Search and Destroy with the really loud lead guitar. Yep. um earlier and then i found that just like off-putting so like and then uh, um the only thing really available on cd and streaming for the longest ass time was the iggy pop mix that was done in the 90s and that one is so loud yeah. digitally it's digitally distorted on the original cd everywhere because i have a mm-hmm. i had a rip back in the day of the original cd and it was just high-end digital distortion all over the thing it was so highly mixed it was so loud um, the remastered mix of that that I have on vinyl now, it corrects all that digital distortion, oh. but it's still loud as shit. It's like, it's just way too loud. Um, you don't get like some of the nuance mm. in the songs. And um, especially after listening to all that material live uh, for a ton of days in a row, um, the Bowie mix, I feel like represents what the band sounded like more anyway. So yeah. um and like they never played songs like uh, "Your Pretty Face Is Going to Hell" um, live, but like it's just on the album, it's so fucking loud and all on one block. It's cool to listen to. It, I think it gives like I've read reviewers say it gives um, younger fans like a more like honest understanding of that record and like what it kind of sounds like. But I just enjoyed like the artier mix on it because why not? You know, take some um, artistic liberty with like great songs. So. That's how I feel. But I like both of them. I, I listen to both of them. I yeah. don't, you know. But. And, and I saw you were holding up the compilation. Was that a CD you were holding up? Yeah, because this is only... Uh, so this is um, how from like... How dare you? How dare yes, you? This is the only way I could get this. All this material is like haphazardly released on vinyl. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I really wanted to highlight it. Because um, this is like the first time that these are all put together in one box in their full form 
with no edits, no weird cuts, no all that. And also, the quality of these bootlegs is the best I've ever heard them before. Um, the record company that put this out um, is Cherry Red Records, and they also worked with the production company that um, was behind Bowie and Iggy and Mata Hoople, who must have owned these tapes, uh, Main Man. So um, that kind of adds some legitimacy there, even though they're all bootlegs. So, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. there's the only way I could get it. And I started to break out my five disc CD changer and put those in. And the name of that is You Think You're Bad Man? Yes. The Road Tapes, 1973-1974. Yeah, Yo, you know the last CD I think I bought? What? This is how deep I've been in the streaming game. I think the last CD I bought was Yeezus, which came out in 2013. That sounds about right. That's I think about that's when the I last stopped. time I bought a CD. So that's crazy. because because I have a CD player in my system, that's like the yeah. only reason I really go for uh, something like this. But it's not really available in like a great vinyl format. So, yeah. but the only CD I bought before this was uh, De La Soul's Three Feet High and Rising" because yeah. that shit is so out of print. I just needed a yeah. copy to listen to. So CD, you can get. Well, I don't know if you can anymore. But at some point, maybe eight, ten years ago, De La Soul, since they don't have their stuff on streaming uh, services, they released all their stuff on their website, and I downloaded all their albums. And then yes. I threw in like a ten dollar donation, or whatever. Yeah, because nice. even now, yeah, you're right. Because even nowadays, to get like yeah. the MP3s of that, you've got to go through like the blog spot, zip files, all that stuff, and it's really a pain in the ass. I have on, I have them on a hard drive. If any Daylaw fans are out there, you need the hookup, man. I got all this shit. <laughs> you only, I'll, I'll, I'll charge you eight bucks. <laughs> Mike, man, fuck, fa- fuck you- Tommy Boy Records. <laughs> Mike, do you have a favorite of the Stooges records? Like the three? So you got the Stooges, Funhouse, Raw Power, or like the original um, I'm, I'm, run? I'm Funhouse all day. Yeah. Funhouse fun is my favorite. I, I just, just was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just so dirty and, and gritty and gross and like everything. I, lo- I love like, I love Iggy's like harrowing screams. He's like, ah! Like he does that shit. Uh, like TVI is amazing. Dirt loose down the street. Like every, I mean that whole, mm. yeah, that, that album like scared me, but also <laughs> was very like in a good way. You know what I'm saying? Like I was, it's just, it just felt like. I mean, we've talked about it before. In the in like not only in the way that like the first album cover is very <laughs> reminiscent of like the Doors album yep. cover. Obviously, you know, Electra Records and all that stuff, but like it was, it, it had that, like Luke was saying earlier, like they sound like a dangerous band. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like everything is just so, like, pushing it all right to the edge. It's uh, raw power, man. Yeah. And yeah. I just love, I love that. I love that sentiment. I think the only bands that, that are kind of like in that vein are maybe like some of the other Detroit, like, you know, like MC5 and, there's a couple of bands that that bring it to the same level, but I don't think they. It, no, nobody does it quite like the Stooges does it. You know what I mean? The Stooges are are like they're the. I like know. how funky Funhouse is, especially at the end. That is funky as shit. Yeah, when the sax true. comes in and they like yeah. burn it down in like the acid jazz. Oh, yeah. it's so good. That's why I like, I think Gun Against My Head, I think Funhouse is my favorite for that reason because the grooves are a little more solid and a little more deeper. Um, but depending on that day, I do really like the debut as well. I, yeah, I really like that, that Velvet Underground, John Cale production type of thing that's brought to that sound. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's not what the Stooges, when I think of the Stooges, I think what you guys are talking about, which is that dangerous, that like train just going off the rails that's, yeah. your, that's your cue for the choo-choo. Come on. Peanut butter. I set you up. All over again. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was miming rubbing peanut butter on my body. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Dude, right. uh, watch. watch <laughs> if you guys haven't seen that video, watch that video. Uh, 1970. Oh, <laughs> Dude, he, so he like walks in the crowd, right? And they, he fi- they finally pick him up like he wants. And he just menacingly points at everybody. 
and then he flips everybody off, and then and then right after, just some he just like it was planned, like the peanut butter all over. It's just like three so moves crazy. in a thirty second period of time <laughs> that are so like, what is this guy thinking? He like points at somebody like he's gonna murder them. Then he flips everybody off, and then he's just rubbing peanut butter on himself. Hey, rock and roll man, underrated front man, underrated band. <sighs> Like oh, yeah. people never talk about them. People think about them as like punk rock dinosaurs. Like, you know, that the sound of the Stooges is so underrated. It's just like, it's that where psychedelic rock and uh, punk really just like that melting pot there. Yeah, so good. Um, I have another record I can uh, shout out here real fast too. Yeah, please. Um, Dinosaur Junior just released a new album. It is called uh, "Sweep It Into Space." <laughs> And um, I bought this at the Telegraph the other day. Um, And Dinosaur Jr. still kicking out great albums. Um, I wanted to highlight um, Lou Barlow's song in here, the bass player. Mm -hmm. There's a song in here called Garden. I think it's the best song in this record, and it's definitely one of the best Lou Barlow songs I've ever heard. Um, He's in that band, uh, Sevado, congruent with Dinosaur Jr. Um, Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, check this record out. It's really good. If you're a fan of Dinosaur Jr. and guitar rock and you know, this album is uh, probably the poppiest thing I've ever heard, which is really cool. Um, it had great guitar solos on it, so check that out as well. Fuzz, 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 fuzz. Yeah, it's all about the yeah. fuzz, man. Jay Maskus. Nine, n- nine fuzz pedals in his chain. <laughs> also um, produced by Kurt Vile. So uh, it definitely, oh, cool. de- yeah, so it has that kind of um, at least like a pop lyric yeah. kind of quanti- uh, content to it. And the production I thought was a little different for Dinosaur Jr., but still got that same classic, awesome guitar fuzz sound. So, mm. you know. Nice. Right on. Well, there you have it. Gentlemen, it was a lot of fun this week. It's been a pleasure. I'm going to go back on the road with the Stooges. I'm going to go back on the road with the Stooges. Yeah, go back on the road with the Stooges. Yep, I I think it's going to go deeper. So, you know. Oh, my goodness. His ears are going to be bleeding by the end of the week. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, Get in the garage. You can find us on all Instagram, uh, Facebook, all that stuff. Uh, we we got to post that picture on our Instagram of me with Zach Wild. That's got to go yeah, on there. Please. Oh, please. Yeah, kids, send, dude, please. send it to me, please. Yeah, I'll find it. I'll send it to you guys. Please send it to me. Maybe we'll make that. Please, can you try to find it tonight so I can, I can yeah. make that the episode, uh, the, the episode post picture? Definitely. Picking you up like a ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just so funny. <laughs> oh, my oh, God. It's oh, so good. man. All right. Well, guys, until next time. Remember to get in the garage. Ow, ow. Like, subscribe, share with all your friends, and we will see you next time. Peace. Ow, ow. <laughs>This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information and links to other shows, please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com/podcasts.